Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, all the way from sunny, currently sunny Ontario, Miss Sherry Moore. How are you doing, Sherry? I'm great. How are you? I am fabulous. I'm very excited. You and I met a few years ago in the pre- PC, pre-COVID times, PCT, pre-COVID times. I don't know if there's an acronym for that. When uh, you and a close uh, associate of mine, Mr. Chris Hogg, were talking about bringing Mesh, the Mesh Conference to Calgary. Fast forward, three years later, you guys are back and getting ramped up. This is going to come out probably almost right away because we're the beginning of March and you guys are coming to town April 12th and 13th to kick off not just a conference, but a series of events and across country, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. But when my main reason for having you come on is for those of us in Western Canada who maybe been living in a bubble a little bit, we don't know what a mesh is and you've been involved since the beginning. So let's just touch base. You run your own, you're part of, um, you're a partner and creative director at MCC, which is a, a, an events and tell us a little bit what you do and then let's get into like, what's a mesh? When did you get involved? What's it all about? And let's do a little bit of uh, go down the, go, go down the, uh, the narrative of this, of the story. Mm. Well, I'll start with my day job. My day job is, uh, as an events manager, I own, uh, MCC, which is more Carlisle consulting and destination, a destination management company. So that means that we work with corporate clients to help them with their events and their event strategy. And then if an organization is coming into town for a large convention, then we would help them with the ground support. So oh, nice. okay. I live and breathe events is basically. <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Which I don't know for anyone who's been involved in putting on an event, it stresses me out just thinking about it. So I have huge respect <laughs> for the people that do what you do. And when you go to those events and you go, geez, I wish the orders were a bit different or I wish this was like that. Somebody is behind the scenes, like literally orchestrating a million moving parts. How long you've been in how long you've been in the event game? Uh oh, over 20 years. Okay. All yeah. right. So, so many lifetimes. Some, 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 some might 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 say. And and do you, and I know I know you love it. This is a loaded question. Do you love it? <laughs> I do love it. You know, yeah. and I love it even for all of the craziness that it brings. I mean, we talked about the COVID years, and that was yeah. a completely different experience than what a normal day would be. And I don't even know what a normal day is anymore <laughs> because post COVID, I don't think there is normal. But uh, it's just roll with the punches and deal with whatever kind of comes your way. And eventually, <laughs> Events have changed. I mean, it's interesting to be, I was always interested in digital transformation, but then to see the event side become mm. digitally transformed in so many ways, because we were forced into it, we couldn't gather. So how do we gather online? And what does that look like? So I, I experienced my own digital transformation with with uh, well, uh, the events uh, industry. And I like what you, I like how you kind of phrase that. So like, oftentimes we're forced into it kicking and screaming. <laughs> there's the, there's digital transformation to innovate and be better and improve. And oftentimes those initiatives get sidelined a little bit because we're just too busy doing all the stuff and putting out all the fires. But all of a sudden when the fire is that, <laughs> it, it becomes a little bit more self. So uh, I'd love and to. So, and yeah. selfishly, I was also uh, always an event geek. So it always sort of fell into my lap of being nice. exploring technology and that sort of thing. So I think that's why I sort of naturally sort of fell into the mesh world and Very always cool. am reading and I was ripping apart calculators and playing with tandy computers before. <laughs> so, and, 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 you, and you paired that with events. So how long, yeah. when did you first get involved in, like, give us a little bit of the history of, of, of Mesh. We're all starting to hear about it now in Western Canada a little bit. And it's this cool, different non-event event, which we'll unpack a little bit. But where, what are the origin, what's the origin story? So I am the OG. So I'm the one that <laughs> nice. uh, was the, one of the originals. So we, uh, came together in 2005, a very different landscape, and um, it, I came out of a Toronto event and um, 
we all sort of were sitting at a bar, as one does after an event, yeah. talking about uh, what the event could look like, what we would want it to be if we could do, run it. Because, you know, everybody wants to play on the on yes. the sidelines and do exactly what you talked about. Were the hors d'oeuvres good? And we, we decided that the biggest thing was that the audiences are, at the time, talking to themselves. Like, you can talk a great story about innovation, and but if you're only talking to the people that know you and, and love you, then it's hard to actually break through and do some real innovation. So that became the genesis of, of Mesh, and we uh, built it in three weeks so it feels like <laughs> there's some there's some rebuilding that's happening in, in almost the same time frame just because of the nature of events these days uh, but the early days it was uh, we focused on society media which included technology uh, marketing and uh, and society Okay, well, the, yeah. your four pillars now are business, yeah. media, and tech, society, mm -hmm. and marketing. So what I'm hearing yeah. is that's been fairly consistent. Was the business theme part of it back then originally as it well? It was. Okay. It was, yeah. Because you're right, it's kind of five, but media and technology, I haven't written on one line, even in my in my yeah. notes. But the, the, those mean very different things now, which maybe in it's 2005, a, there was probably a closer, a closer interrelationship there. Well, and it was interesting because we always looked, I have a uh, comms background. So I come from the McEwen school of the medium is the message. So media yeah. could mean journalism, but it could also mean the vehicle that you use to communicate. So in many ways, it's still the same the same conversations, although the, the technology itself has changed, right? We right. were talking about, you know, blogging 101 and, um, you know, how to, how to run better video. I think we still are talking about those things, but they're just in a different context. <laughs> I, there's a more sophistication, but better is still better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's it's interesting. And why was it so oftentimes events are, and I say one trick ponies, I don't say that in a negative way, but they pick a theme, which from a marketer's perspective is pick an audience, pick a theme. What do you stand for? Specialize. What are you about? Where those four pillars, it's a strength, but it's also, I don't want to say a weakness, but it's another layer of how do you weave it? How do you weave a narrative together? But that's been the way of mesh right from the get go. It is. And it's because we want to, if you're a marketer, It'd be interesting to hear your perspectives and your experiences in a society stream. It's interesting for mm. a traditional journalist to talk to someone in new media. So the idea was that the audience is really driving that conversation. And because the audience is so different, the conversations are different. Multiple perspectives. You're, you're throwing it all. You're throwing it all in the room and churning the uh, and, and, and churning the spoon to see what we'll see what comes out. That's so right. talk to me about the the non-event event. I've never been to a mesh conference. I'm very excited mm -hmm. about it, mainly because I know you. I know Chris. I've done my research. I'm like, oh, this is great. I love it. And I and I also love that you guys are choosing Calgary to kind of reignite or kind of come. How long has it been since mesh? When when was the last mesh? So the the last official mesh was 2014, and we sort of put it on the shelf because at that point there was a lot of there was the I'll call them the mega conferences were coming into into effect. So okay. you know the ninety thousand person conferences that were coming together, and we were like, do do people if people that if that's what people want is that is that what we want to be when we grow up? And we hmm. really didn't want to be that. Uh, we want to be something that allows people to really 
connect, share, and inspire. It's part of the the mantra of who we are and what we're about. And that's why you see the see it in the logo because it's core to our values. And I find though though those mega conferences and you know having ninety thousand people together talking about different um, things about innovation and technology and what is in the future is important. It's it is different when you go there and you become a delegation. So a lot of times you are speaking to the same people that you always go to because you naturally as a as a human you want to gravitate to the people you know and when it becomes so big it's hard to actually sort of break through your own personal barriers. So we we weren't sure if people still wanted to mesh and then the then the the lead in was again uh my new partner Chris and I found each other at a bar running an after running an event <laughs> i see a th- i see a theme i see yeah. but you're right the, the, the after the after party where everyone's all burnt out but you can't go home because you're just buzzing from the event that's stuff, right. right yeah yeah. that's right and we just started talking and we're like you, you know i miss those days i miss the though events are my day job they're it's very different to uh, run and drive and, you know, be the ship in many ways. So being able to have those sort of conversations are something that I, I actually started to miss. So uh, Chris and I were talking and we realized, you know what, I think there is still a need. And so we started down the journey of what is this this new v- version of Mesh? And a lot of the same things sort of held true. But we realized that it might be interesting to move it to a different destination. And Having both of us been doing a lot of work and spending time in in Calgary, we realized that Calgary has a lot to offer Mesh, and Mesh has a lot to offer Calgary. Oh, I really, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I really appreciate. It. I'm just thinking my own 2014, 2015. I'm thinking like even the way you talk, like going to a big stadium show to see your favorite whatever band versus going mm-hmm. to an acoustic unplugged 300 people at some you know university campus bar, and you're like, yeah. which one do you talk about more? Totally for different reasons. <laughs> you would talk yeah. about, and you actually meet the band afterwards because you're literally having a drink with them. Like, it's a very different level of intimacy, but both are quote unquote events. <laughs> That's right, and it's also too that you know think of it almost as in Mesh's case, the audience drives the the content. So it's like it's like your favorite band is on stage just taking requests because <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great <laughs> metaphor. Okay. Let's let's pull that one apart. So okay. is that the non-event event portion of like where the audience drives? Because you say that, but it, like the audience, is like, what the hell does she actually mean? That that's was right. pretty cool. I, okay, let's unpack that thread. So I'm at Mesh, I'm in the audience. What, what, give me a bit of my experience. <laughs> so sessions run about uh, 45 minutes as a whole. Uh, they are mixed into three, um, three components. So we have fireside chats, we have mm-hmm. panels, and we have workshops. That all still sounds very conventional. The unconventional portion is that we start with, think of the people on the stage as the people that set the table for the conversation. So they yeah. only speak for maybe 10, 12, 15 minutes, usually in an interview scenario. So those panels and um, those keynotes have to have some pretty compelling reasons why we need to have a PowerPoint presentation. I think it, and I think over the last 20 years, that rule has been broken maybe three times. So that kind of tells you how, how hard and fast we are to that sort of personal rule. We will break it if it needs to be broken because that's what we do. Um, but uh, for the most part, there's not there's not a bunch of decks 
being played that people could get or or sound bites that you could hear at any presentation, especially nowadays because everything is recorded and in in the in the ethos to be able yes. to access, right? So the idea is is that if you're a keynote, you spend those ten minutes just having that fireside conversation like we're having right setting now, setting the table, setting the table. For, yep. I love that. I love. And that. then we open it up to the audience. So the the audience journey is. A hundred percent their decision. So it's a good old fashioned choose your own adventure. <laughs> it is. It is. And so for the next, you know, you know, however long that ends up being roughly 30 minutes, it's all Q&A, all conversation. And this is where you see the presenters who have been vetted for 40 to 60 hours to get on the stage, to be quite honest, because we do deep dives. That they don't even know before, before Doing that a 20 happens. minute or a 40 minute <laughs> keynote that you've practiced that's refiner, that's Versus being on your feet and being able to engage and not try to steward your agenda, but actually steward the audience's agenda. That's a very different skill. And I think it's good it to is. call that out. As If you're good at one, doesn't make you, it actually could make you not good at the other. <laughs> no, and it, and it really is about the people that are on the stage are are there because of who they are and what they've done over the course of their career, not just the, they're not the one hit, hit wonder. You can see that sort of depth and strength of bench when they, when they come to the table. Now, if we move over to a panel, the panel is selected and and curated. And the idea is, is that we will bring, you know, three people with a moderator onto the stage and they've probably never actually met. So they're not doing green room practices in the background. There is not the pre-canned questions because it's the same rule applies right so they have to spend about 10 minutes 15 minutes because there's three of them maybe they get five minutes each to sort of talk about who they are and what they're doing and just to sort of again set that table but the audience goes right in with them and it's interesting to watch when you have the right speakers on the stage they lean into those conversations and you see them on the edge of their seat just totally engaged and when the when the speakers are engaged the audience becomes engaged and that's the magic of mesh we also have the workshops which are the deeper dives so think of all those panels and workshops as a combination of practical and blow your mind whereas the workshops allow you to have those takeaways so that when you leave mesh you're not sitting in a situation of like wow i learned a lot there's some great things my mind was blown but i have no idea how to actually implement <laughs> yes, i think we've all and that's a little bit day one day two correct like from my it understanding is. of the formatting like we blow your mind Mind, then we give you a little bit more of a toolkit when you leave on day two? It is. And it, it's because of the way that we curate the stream. So because I'm going to use the color. So we have, if you look at a mesh logo, there are four colors all rolled along in a ball, but we actually try to um, split them out in a way so that society and media and technology are together. And those usually are conversations that you're not always going to a conference to think about. So that's the area where you stop and you're like, oh, I had never, ever considered that. And your mind is a, is a little broken and, and blown away in the process. And you're meeting all kinds of different people during the day. Your, your and, orthodoxies get get attacked. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> it's not your day-to-day thinking, right? Yeah, like yeah, you're consuming that. the news, but you're not necessarily diving any deeper than than the sound bites that are on well, the, the argument news. was the news would be the opposite of thinking, but that's another conversation. So then the next day is business and and uh, marketing. And those typically have more practical. They're still, you know, talking about trends and what's next and still have a very um, future focus Mm -hmm. on what's coming down the path or conversations that are a bit of a deeper dive. But still, because of the nature of those conversations, there are practicality components that come out that um, 
make you sort of think about how you can then take day one and implement it for day two and then further down the road. So I'm a potential audience member. What do Mm -hmm. I need to think about? Because I've been on many a stage with like, okay, questions and you get crickets. So you've got to get the audience needs to show up for this as well. What I'm hearing, like there's a, this is a two-sided, this is a (laughs) two-sided marketplace here. We've got a great stage and awesome, but no one asked anything, which I know that that opens up as the day goes. There's always somebody in the room that's like, I have my list of questions and I'm ready to go. But from an audience perspective, who's the perfect person to have in the room for a match? Like who is the, who is the ideal audience member to make this formula work? A naturally curious person because we're going to take you on a bunch of different journeys and you're going to be in places that you didn't expect to be. So I think the the biggest thing is just to be, you know, at sometimes at conferences when you don't get that that ability to ask questions, you end up having these sidebar conversations with the people to the left and right to you. You just have to have the ability to make everyone to the left and right of you. So you just ask mm. those questions that, and, and it might not be a question. It may be in the form of an answer. And, and we dive into that, that part of the conversation. So, you know, it, it really is about being naturally curious, thinking through sort of what your experience is, because every single person in the room has something to share. I want to connect with them and through those two things, I will be inspired. So from my perspective, every person has value as much as the person that happens to be on the stage to set that table. So the attendee who asks a question, but it's not really a question, it's kind of an answer and it's kind of hijacking and wants to, that's welcome that mesh is what you're saying. <laughs> it is. We will figure out a way You to... know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm like, uh, are you speaking now or are you still asking a question? Make sure you trail <laughs> up at the end so we know it's a question. No, I'm loving it. And that's where, even the setting, like you guys are doing this a platform, right? Why, we why, are. Did you, why, why did you pick platform? I love platform because yeah, cool. of the story behind it. I mean, the fact that it is, um, well, platform Calgary itself being what they do and and who they're for and what they're about and the fact that they're in a parking garage. I was going to say, have you ever held an event in a parking garage? You beat me to the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how many people have created things in garages? So like it's, it is a natural oh, Excellent fit. answer. Excellent answer. Oh, I'm dealing with a professional here. I see. Mm. <laughs> I, I got it the moment that I walked in. I was like, I yeah. love the, the architecture and the design, but I... I understand when I walked in, I was like, this feels like mesh because cool. our yeah. audience, so many people have that experience where they started in their basement or they started in their garage or they were just thinking of something and then all of a sudden they created, right? So that's a that's part of, a big part of, of mesh is that kind of innovation and somebody doing something different. And that building is the perfect example of it. I also like the fact that the architects thought of and the client thought of this as not a single, you know, parking space. Uh, one, um, one off, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it has, a like, even the fact that they made the ceilings higher and focused on the fact that eventually this will not be um, a parking building. It'll actually have a purpose either uh, used for business and for office space or for residential. And I'm like, that's the thinking that we need. And... So like I said, well, I am a, I'm a huge of, fan. A, that's awesome. <laughs> it's well, yeah, there's nowhere where you guys were chatting with me about what do you think? And I'm like, well, there's kind of like if it can accommodate it, there's only really one space right now. There's yeah. a lot of other great event spaces, but what lines up with your values, your theme, what yeah. you stand for and what mesh, what mesh is all, all about. 
and the whole community there as well. I mean, that whole yeah, area it, is in the midst of a, a, a reimagination. And there are some really interesting, you know, businesses that are popping up. And the library space that has been redesigned is incredible. So, you know, it's just really a, it's a great area to be in. It's got a very cool vibe for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it, it shows, it shows Calgary very well if you haven't happened to us. So this, feel free to answer this any way you want. So you've been in Toronto, you were a Toronto event, based in Toronto, I should say, not just a Toronto event. When you're talking to some of your speakers or some of your partners or some of the people that were been involved in Meshes beginning and you say, hey, we're going to be in Calgary. And they look at you and go, Really? what has that come up has that happened what's your what's your th what's your thought or thoughts around that? i'm totally putting you on the spot too yeah. with this question <laughs> no no I, I you know what actually it's um i have gotten that question because yeah. there is a why because that's also part of the story i think that the there is a divide of east versus west and as much as we're we all talk to ourselves so geographically we're talking to ourselves so part of the <laughs> the focus of mesh is to is to change things up and and I want a Team Canada approach to everything that we do because oh, I, I, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that if we can do that, then we become competitive on a global scale. I am old enough to remember and been doing this long enough to remember the the brain drains that have been happening and people going south for opportunities. And there's no reason for that when you can, our economy should be focused east-west, our innovation should be focused east-west. And the reality is, is that because of the way that Canada is geographically positioned yeah. we we end up with clusters across the country that have specialties in in innovation wouldn't it be interesting to have you know the the folks that are in one super cluster talking to the folks in another super cluster and and figuring out what innovation can happen when the two meet so you know and hell hey come on tyler there's collisions yyc so <laughs> You know, I love it. So 100%. And the idea of just global competitiveness, we can't do it on our own. Like we're fighting no. some big, big fights here. And I think it, and also just as I got to know you guys and got to really understand the DNA of Mesh, it almost wouldn't make sense for you to just have it in Toronto again. You have to, no. you have to go and do something like it's, it's, it would be off brand for you to do what you've always done. That's right. That's right. As yeah. silly as that sounds, it's hundred percent true. It makes, it makes a, lo a lot of sense. How has been the, I know that's maybe not your kind of pure air focus, but I know it's been an all hands on deck from yourself, Chris and Alicia and the whole team. How, how's been the, how's been the reception? Have we, have we welcomed you with open arms? Cause like damn well hope we have. <laughs> we, yes, you have. Yes. Awesome. You know Great. what? Yeah. Great. <laughs> I, I in my in my day job I got the uh, official white hat ceremony so I feel like I'm a Calgarian by <laughs> I love it I love by it default, but you guys all have made me feel so welcome and and feel make mesh feel so welcome that it's that we did make the right decision and it was the right choice and I will a hundred percent tell every person that I meet that it's the right choice because of the people that we've had the opportunity to meet and I think it's also too that it feels like. The reason we started Mesh in 2005, if in 2023, it's the reason we're doing it in, in Calgary. It's bringing people together that are doing really interesting things uh, and breaking and disrupting and changing. And that is the that is in the DNA of Calgary. And it feels like it's the right spot. Yeah, very cool. I, I, I yes, I, I will high five you on all those. All those Do you also feel from your own observations, and may, I'm leading the witness with this question, 
that maybe the the, the three-year hiatus or the, the the COVID, I think we're even better suited now than when we were when you guys were talking about this back in 2020. Like, I actually it, think that the timing is better to be like, uh, that's still self-serving to say that, but I honestly think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it is too. I think it's also, there's a hunger for connection. So having an event yeah. that, that drives that or an experience that drives that is is really helping us sort of bring together some really interesting people. And, and I think it's going to make some mesh magic. <laughs> I love it. I feel you said that before. Um, and this is also part of, this is Calgary, then it's Toronto, and then it's back in Calgary. So tell us a little bit about like, oftentimes you buy your ticket or you get your access and it's a one and done, and maybe it comes around next year. But this is a journey that you guys are creating. That's a little bit, that's that's got a big of a bigger, you're, you're, you're living in the future a little bit more than just the date of the event, right? Well, and that's the other part that we don't want to have a two day, you know, one and done because the conversations are evolving at every moment. So to be able to create something where we, we start in the West, move to the East and then come back to the West, we're building momentum. So I think of this event as a year long event. So it's not a a two day uh, because we're going to be, um, with Chris as a partner we're, and Digital Journal Group, we're able to layer on a digital component that we wouldn't have had in even 2005 because just of the, the nature of being able to do that. So those conversations can then continue and evolve. And the idea is, is that the network that you start to build becomes the memories that you are creating in Toronto and then back in in Calgary. So you're able to sort of layer all of those experiences together. So it does feel like everybody is in this together and in it to win it. I love it. Team Canada. So Calgary in April, uh, Toronto this following, so both in, in November and then mm-hmm. the big mesh, which I've heard you refer to it as is going to be, <laughs> and uh, do you have dates or do we know, is it going to be April next year again in Calgary? It's like 2024. Yeah, we're not there yet. We're trying to figure okay. out whether we're going to do April or May. We kind of want to see what uh, April brings and if it cool. makes sense from that perspective. And we're very collaborative. So we, we want to work with the people that are also doing innovation and events in in Calgary to make sure that it's the right timing so that we're not competing because yeah. the idea is that all the conversations come together, not everybody sort of um, competing and for space. This is about sharing, not... Well, inclusivity and abundance versus scarcity in my event, your That's event, right. and all that, all that, That's right. that silliness. Uh, is April, when is event season, quote unquote, is that typically April, May, spring, we're like coming out, or does it matter? Is that, is These that even days, a thing? That's not a thing anymore. Okay. Right? Okay. It used to be, I mean, it still is conference season is sort of the, the May, June, and okay. then again, September, October. But now with everyone having not met for so long that... We're joking in in my day job at MCC that March is the new May because we are doing (laughs) more events now than we ever have. It's it's just the the nature of what is happening. And as much as everyone talks about a recession, the the realization uh, that people need to meet and need to gather is real. And so that becomes a priority with a lot of our clients. Oh, very cool. Okay. I, and it's so hard to like, you're not doing year over year anymore. You're doing, there's a new trend because we're like COVID was done here. And it's so hard to look at that that way and go, well, this is typically what a March looks like. Well, we've never had a March three years after, after COVID started, like the no. anniversary is coming up here. You know, I think March 16th, we, I think we left the office on March 13th and uh, never went back. <laughs> Literally. <That's right. laughs> 
So to look at year over year trends is is kind of foolhardy, right? From that, from that oh, a hundred percent. I've thrown out yeah. all of the playbooks of like what an audience looks like or anything like that, just because you can't go off of your historical data because it's it's just not the same. The, the paradigm has changed, right? Mm-hmm. It has, and I'm still doing virtual events. And I'm still mm. doing hybrid events and I'm still doing in-person events. So having those three layers on top of each other is is really interesting. It changes. And I think it's because of the the type of event that if if you are consuming content, then you don't necessarily need to yeah. travel to consume it. And to like a webinar is has value and people have realized that that has value. And uh, but when you're doing something where you need to be in person and you need to connect and listen there are people that i can tell you that that had attended mesh in the past where i was worried because they were never in the session rooms and i was like this is the, are you not having a good experience and they're like i'm having the best time ever i'm in the hallways having the greatest conversations yeah. and that was what they they wanted to do and so if that's if that gives them the value of why they mesh then it's okay it, their definition of mesh is just as as valuable as the person that's like, I want to go to every session and I want to, you know, just sit in my chair and and not leave the the session rooms. Yeah. Or to your point, I love it. it's what is the ends, and I think we've become so much more um, personalized, or we demand that level of personalization of like, I just need this information. So if you make me travel there, then I probably will say no, and I won't get the information then. And I think that level of personalization, like you said, if I'm looking to interact and get to know people and connect, then being in person works. If I just need to consume information because this is something I need to learn about or whatever the case may be, but I don't have time in my life, man, a virtual experience is really great. It is. <laughs> I've yeah, had a and- lot of, you know, attended conferences from overseas that I never would have gone to because I didn't value it that much, but I'll get up at four in the morning, have my coffee because it's three in the afternoon there and, and watch the speaker because it was valuable to me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the the big thing for us is that we try to encourage the people that are on the stage to stay for the duration of the two days so that you do have those happenstance moments of grabbing not the coffee. Run in, and not be, the run in and run out speakers, which yeah. we've, some of us have been. I got to go. Yeah. I got 50 other things I'm doing. <laughs> but, but being there, like this is what you're actually doing because you're here to have this experience. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that you're not just there to speak, you're there to interact. And that changes right. that dynamic instantly. It's a very, very different formula. I'm really looking forward to kind of being on both sides, doing some stage <laughs> time, but also being, being being in the audience and bringing my mic. I love curiosity, as you know, so it's my favorite thing to bring to any party. So I will definitely That's bring right. it to this one. Uh, last question. Last question. That's probably a false, <laughs> false promise. Um, trends and events that you're, you've hit on a few things. When you think about just the event space in general, what are some of your top three? Like we're kind of moving away from mesh back to your quote unquote day job as you, as you've affectionately referred to it. <laughs> what are some of the, what are the top three trends from Sherry's viewpoint? <laughs> it could be five in your top three, whatever you think, <laughs> but in, in no particular order, what are the real things that you're seeing now that we're kind of a year out of being able to get back together again? Well, I think inclusivity and building the audience for the space and place that they're in is hmm. has been important, but has never been more important because I think we're starting to realize everything from um, how people access information, how they learn, what they're, um, where they are in, you know, it, we have a neurodiverse uh, audience. So, you know, do they need a space to be able to to have quiet because they're overstimulated by what's happening. You know, not everybody is an extrovert for, and want to meet everyone, right? So yep, so creating spaces like that, thinking through, I mean, obviously sustainability has always been an issue. 
Um, but when we were gathering together and, and in the early days and everyone needed to have separate containers and you started to realize how much of an impact, mm, uh, even in, it, because waste. we had, it was, and we, and we did it in a way that, um, in the past where we tried to reduce, tried to reduce, but it wasn't until those moments of when we had to go backwards in order to make people safe that you realize just the impact because the, the change to be a sustainable event was over 10, 15 years. It was just that 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 three month period of of the regulations being such that only you couldn't have, uh, you know, people couldn't even be had to be seated to have a cocktail reception. Right. So right. that completely changed what we did. And then I think the other thing is just um, changing up the the content and figuring out should this be in virtual? Should this be yeah. in person? And the data that comes from it, because that's the biggest thing that is comes out of virtual is there is so much learning and insight that can happen. And we're starting to see that happening in person. There's technologies now that will give you demographic information because it's using AI tools and embedded cameras at, at events to be able to um, you know, Big Brother is watching in a good way to tell <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> I know it's just what what that information is being used for is always the question, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you, from your perspective, are you seeing budgets like I'm willing to invest if I'm willing to get or if I know I can get more out of it? Like, kind of playing off what you said, like more data, more understanding, more like oh, I hold an event because it's just the thing we did every year. I feel that's gone away, like just in marketing in general. Oh, we do it because that's what we've always done. We go to the trade show because we go to trade shows. What is the ROI? What are we doing? What data are we getting? What's our outcome? What's our actual plan? I'm assuming that's impacting the event world in the exact same way as it is everywhere else. It is. and But the thing is, is that the costs are becoming um, much higher because of supply chain issues and mm. inflation that a lot of times the budgets may stay the same or may increase. But the reality is you're probably you're still probably working with less to to do okay. more, which I feel has always been the way, the way of events. Was so. there ever a time that you said, oh, my God, we have too much budget to, to take this no. money away from us? Never. <laughs> oh, my God. If I just had more money and more time, the things I could do. Exactly. <laughs> do more with less. I know. Yeah. I hear you on, on that one. But also understanding what I'm getting out of it and maybe hosting a bit of a smaller event, but having more impact for the people that are there because we do something that our customers care about or whatever whatever the relationship is. No, yeah. really, and deciding really whether to move it over to, to virtual, right? Because right. you can have 800 people attend a webinar if it's really good content and engaging and they'll want to binge it, right? Because we are, as much as we have a short attention span, we're willing to watch an entire Netflix series in one day. So if it's good content, people will stay. And so, and, but the, the data that comes out of, uh, you know, one webinar is golden because you can take that information and, and really analyze it and dig deeper. And then once you layer a survey on top of that, those two components and seeing the the activity and how people are in, in interacting, even even chat can tell you things of where your next nugget of content should be. So mm -hmm. there's there's some real goodness in, in virtual. There's some 
there's goodness in 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 person and those are two completely different events and two completely different audiences and two different purposes so you just have to figure out what the toolbox looks like and the universal truth that will pull through all of that is what i heard you say loud and clear quality content we all have short you know like the old joke you have three you have three you have a third of a second to get three seconds to get potentially three hours you know depending (laughs) but like oh my god i have no attention span but yet i've read a book i watched like eight episodes of whatever in in an evening so you're absolutely right that's the funny dichotomy of like oh we have short attention spans but yet we invest when we do invest our time we go in all hog (laughs) that's right that's right yeah yeah, full hog uh which is such an interesting dynamic but quality content and in in the world of being able to produce fast and cheap sometimes the good falls off the falls off the the cart right it does and we get stuck to our own paradigms of we've always done it before so you know you just have to look at it and figure out what needs to be broken why it needs to be broken and how you can break it and then there are things that are you know universal truths that need to need to stay right so we looked at that when we even the very small example of mesh we looked at every single thing that we were doing why we were doing it how we were doing it and could we break it the interesting thing was is that some of the stuff that we were that have been tenants of of what a mesh is actually are holding true even to this day so you know the the shorter session with higher sort of impact conversation and then being able to open up to the audience that peer-to-peer learning is important so then follow it up with 45 minutes which is a longer break than most people have but we pull the 45 minutes of break because then your brain has a chance to process the information talk to more people you're formulating your ideas and then you can go into the next topic which might be completely different than the last one in fact it will be right so (laughs) So, and and there's a lot to be said for the time that you have to decompress from one process it you're not just jumping into a continuation of a similar theme and that's a different type of event for sure Mm. yeah and and i've been diving into because like i said before i'm a geek so i like to go down rabbit hole so i've been playing around with um you know neuroscience neuromarketing figuring mm-hmm. out sort of like attention uh, the psychology of learning all things that help me in the sort of the day-to-day but i may not have the the time to be able to to look at it because everything in the events world is is fast 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 we're all working towards crazy deadlines but taking that moment to kind of think through what those sessions look like uh, as opposed to like I said, in the day job, being handed the agenda and being able to offer consultation on it is very different than doing a design build and right. mesh is a design build for me. So it makes me go into different places that I didn't really, you know, think of before and figure out how to to make it so that it's different and unique and something that the audience will appreciate which is exactly what we will get as an audience when we attend because <laughs> it's right. forcing us. I love it. You are, you are living the brand, which is so fantastic. There's what you say you are and there's what you actually do, which is to, to hear you talk about your own journey of being on a mesh journey while doing mesh. But anyways, this is getting a little bit of a riddle here at the end. Who's on first? Who's on second? Uh, Sherry, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your little bit of the history. Uh, and also as a Calgarian, as someone who's a huge advocate for what's happening here in Western Canada, and I love telling the story, thanks for choosing Calgary. That's why I got really behind this 
this thing right away because I was so excited. Like, yeah, there's a lot of events going on in Calgary, but we needed something kind of cool and unique. And, and, and again, that's no disrespect to some of the amazing stuff that's going on here. But I also love pulling. Th- I grew up in Quebec, so I like to take shots at Toronto when I can. I grew up in Montreal. <laughs> I love Toronto as well. We have a team there. We have great, cl- great clients there. But I love that you guys chose Calgary to kind of kick this off and that we're going to be back in Toronto in, in November and then back in Calgary for the big, quote unquote, big mesh in mm-hmm. 2024. So meshconference.com. Check out the website. You guys are releasing speakers. This is probably going to be out in a week or two. So you'll have, mm-hmm. we'll be two weeks, three weeks from the event. So the speaker list is coming together. Go on there and check it out. I am just excited just to kind of go and hang out and be, be, be part of it. And you will be there living and breathing. People can, people can mesh with you as well while you're there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very cool. Um, any other, any other tips or places you want to send people, but is mess, I'm assuming the website is the best place to get the information they need. Mm. It really is because it'll give them insight into who's speaking, what the topics are. Uh, but really at the end of the day, it's think about what you want to get out of mesh. And that's what mesh is for, right? At the end of the day, it is about your connections, you sharing your stories and then as a whole, we'll all be inspired. Come prepared to take part. This is not a spectator. This is not only a spectator sport is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Sherry, so good to have you on. So good to chat. I really appreciate your time this morning and I look forward to seeing you back in down in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. 